Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. One, two, get down. That was The Boss from James Brown, of course. A very apt way to start the programme, which I'll be explaining very shortly. Good morning, I'm Elliot Moss. This is Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me. What is Jazz Shapers? It is, of course, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. My boss of a business shaper today is Jo Hansford. She has been referred to as the First Lady of Colour. And in fact, the best tinter on the planet, if you are a reader of American Vogue as well. She is a very famous colourist and has a phenomenal business and has been building it for many, many decades. You'll be hearing lots from her very shortly. In addition to hearing from Joe, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, of course, a brilliant mix of music from the shapers of jazz, blues and soul, including Dr John, Nina Simone and this from John Lee Hooker and Robert Cray. That was Mr. Lucky from John Lee Hooker and Robert Craig. As billed earlier, Jo Hansford is my business shaper. She is the famous colourist, and if you haven't heard of her, you will know all about her by the end of this hour. Jo has her own place now in South Aldi Street, employs almost 50 people, and is very well known amongst a certain group of people. (laughs) Probably lots of them, actually. Jo, thank you very much for joining me. She's sitting here smiling, going, what's he going to say next? (laughs) Now, tell me about this. You've been in the the, the industry many, many years. You started in this world of of hair and of and of color and things like that when you were 15 years old how long did they give you yes um when i left school i had no qualifications whatsoever but i absolutely loathed school hated it to death and i always wanted to be a makeup artist so i was lucky enough to be involved in a television program for children when i was 15 which i didn't want to do but my mother wrote in it was it was because they asked for anybody who didn't want a normal job when they left school teacher nurse doctor and she said well you want to do television makeup why don't you do it anyway I went on the program my prize for the program was an apprenticeship with the BBC to learn television makeup but I had to be 19 before I could take the position so as I left school at 15 because I hated it so much um, they suggested I did hairdressing which I had nothing in my brain about hairdressing because I'd never been to a hairdresser. So we went to the career officer and she suggested 
to do an apprenticeship. So she had two positions open, one in Mayfair and one in Ealing. Well, I lived in Greenford at the time, and my mother said Ealing, because that was near Greenford, and I obviously said Mayfair. had no idea where Mayfair was, (laughs) but because it was opposite, I had to do it. So I started my apprenticeship in this amazing salon in Davis Street next to Claridge's. And it was very posh. I mean, it was incredibly posh at the time with all the chauffeurs and everything. Um, And I stayed there for two weeks thinking, this is rubbish. I'm never I'm never going to do this for four years. You know, sweeping floors, looking at people backcombing hair, rollers, big bouffants. Oh, God, I hated it. And the heat. The heat. And then suddenly somebody said to me one day, could you go into the back room and get something from Norman? thought Norman this salon was enormous so I had never been allowed in the back room I walked into the back room and it was color it was hair color and it was like oh my god fabulous so I never I never took my apprenticeship I just stayed with color on the hair instead of color on the face and the love affair began there, and of yes. course, and, and it sounds like you must have been pretty good at it because I think when you were about nineteen, Vidal Sassoon tapped yes. you up and said, "Come and work for us." Yes, and that was the start of my amazing career. It was—I can't tell you—working for Sassoon in the early sixties was just out of this world. Um, he was such a master. The work was so detailed; it was like watching sculptors in those days you know absolutely amazing and I had an incredible mentor a woman in the colour room who was a genius absolute genius so I learned a a lot from her and I built my career basically from there find out what happened next um, from my business shaper Joe Hansford time for some music this is from Dr John and Bonnie Raitt and it is I've got the world on a string Got the world on a string Sitting on a rainbow Got the string on my finger That was I've Got the World on a String and if that didn't wake you up, absolutely nothing will. Jo Hansford is my business shaper today. She's the most famous person in the world of hair colour. I know you probably you don't like people saying that, but it's probably true. But so we were talking about where it, where you began your 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 love of colour. You went to the back room. Norman was there, yes. and then a few years later, Vidal Sassoon said you're rather good. And the heady sixties must have been extraordinary in that salon. And you you talked to me about where you learnt your trade. At what point did you think I want to do this for myself, and why? Because some people have just happily gone along and been working in a phenomenal environment with the most you know, famous people in the world coming in there with a great mentor, but you wanted more. I wanted more, but I, I stayed with Sassoon for 15 years um, because it was amazing. It really was wonderful. And then, because I couldn't go any further, I was running the Bond Street Salon and the, the colour department there. I um, went into partnership with another colourist And that lasted for 13 years. And I never really wanted my own business. I never wanted the responsibility of having my own business. My husband always wanted me to have my own. Um, Anyway, so for 13 years, um, carried on working together, ended up in a very acrimonious court case. Um, Big, big split. Um, It was 1991, which was an original recession. Yeah, bad time. A very bad time. And um, David said to me, right, let's do it. And I thought, oh, my God, are you serious? And because I'd had so many phone calls when this split happened from 
all various people offering me the world who I didn't think even knew anything about me. But obviously our grapevine is, is quite extensive. Um, I thought, well, the least I can do is fail. If he's there behind me, backing me, why don't I give it a go? So if it doesn't work, then I can go and work for somebody else again. It sounds like, even though you're obviously at the top of your game and you, all the calls were testimony to that at, the, at that moment, that without David nudging you, your husband nudging you, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have done it. No, I, I wouldn't have done it. But he had so much confidence in me. I had confidence. I had great self belief in what I could do. You know, I mean that that's the one thing that really kept me going. And also, the second thing was the fact that I wasn't a hairdresser; I was a colourist. So I was a specialist, which was a niche, and that was a very, very important thing. I couldn't compete with all the other beautiful boys out there, you know, the Charles Worthingtons, the John Frieders and Nicky, um, who would all wine and dine the press and take them for lunch and lend them their cottage and everything else. I couldn't do that. I had to prove I had to prove myself and prove what I could do. And what when was the first opening day? What was the date, do you recall it? March third, nineteen ninety three. As if it was yesterday. Yes. Stay with me for much more from my lovely business shaper, Joe Hansford. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. Before that, some words of wisdom for your business. Go on, just go and do it. From our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Hi, I'm Greg Campbell. I'm a partner in the employment department at Mishkondorea. I've been practising in employment law for 20 years. At Mishkondorea, one of the interesting things we do is we act both for senior executives and for corporate employers. So we do get to see both sides of the debate. A lot of my clients are starting up in business and the questions they ask are, what should I be thinking about when I hire new staff? What I would say is the important thing is write down a contract of employment. It doesn't matter that you haven't written one down. There is a contract of employment in existence the moment you hire somebody. By writing it down, you make it clear what each party's expectations are and you minimise the risk of any disputes in the future. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, I get to meet and talk to a person at the top of their game, a brilliant business shaper. And my business shaper today is none other than Joe Hansford. For those of you in the know, she's in the world of colour. And for those of you who didn't know, she's in the world of colour. She <laughs> colours people's hair, and she's been doing it rather well for a rather long period of time. And she's also brought out her own range. We're going to talk about that in a bit as well. But I want to go back to, Joe, that seminal date, 3rd of March, 1993, when you open your own salon. We, I say it easily. It's very easy to look back on someone else's life and go, well, you just opened then. How hard was it to to make that first move into setting up your own business? It was incredibly hard. It really was. Um, when we went to the bank manager to obviously get money to help start the place, we opened in Mount Street. And in Mount Street in, in that particular time, there was 11 units vacant. Can you imagine? I mean, Mount Street then was a backwater. It was art galleries, antique shops. There, was own, there wasn't any retail there at all. I think Nicky Clark had just opened down the road eight months before. But because if you're a specialist, you don't actually need passing trade. You know, if if you want a specialist doctor, you go to Harley Street, don't you? It's a destination. And I knew that as long as we had a good destination, the most important thing was in the budget for expenses was to put in for a PR. Because there's no point in you opening anywhere in the world unless people know where you are. It's like a restaurant. You have to have exposure and people have to know what you do and 
where you are. When you first opened, did you, although you knew you were good and all that, that's very different from running a business. Did you, were you very, very nervous or did the trade, did the people come quite fast? Um, they didn't come fast at all because I literally only had eight staff because I'd been out of sight for nearly two years. I was renting a chair in South Kensington from a friend while the court case was going on because this is, this was like a high court case. It was, it was really big, um, which was settled a week before it went in. Thank God. Um, so therefore it was very hard once you're out of sight in our industry, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you have to then start building back again. So I had eight staff literally in 2000 square feet and trying to make this place look busy. I knew that what we all could do was very good and it was very good work styling wise and color wise, excuse me, but Unless you have an atmosphere, it's like a restaurant. You know, you can go to a restaurant and have the best food in the world, but if the if the place is dead, you don't go back again. So to try and make the place look busy was really, really hard because it was an enormous salon. So we ended up having all friends, family, anybody we could lay our hands on to come and sit in seats. I even thought about buying blow-up dollies for the back room. <laughs> Visual. Let's have a bit of atmosphere. Yeah, let's, let's create an installation. <laughs> Actually, it's just to fill the place. But, and, and at what period of time, uh, in, in just a nutshell, when did it start to? When do you start to think this is all right? It's going to be okay. How we, long did it take? We hemorrhaged for about eighteen months, big time. I mean, we really did financially. And how did you um, manage financially then? If you were managing, um, well, I didn't take a salary. My husband didn't take a salary. I was there from sort of eight in the morning till eight at night. Uh, I always believe lead by example because whatever you do, your staff have to to know that you're capable of doing it. Um, And we turned the corner on about 18 months and then it started to escalate and people started to come and join us. But the the whole adage was the fact that it was, oh, yes, we'll join you when you're up and running. But how can you be up and running unless you've got the staff? Yeah, it was it was incredibly hard, and also because I was a woman, that the industry literally gave me three months when I started. It's like, oh, she's a woman, you know, how's she going to survive? And um, here you are, twenty-one years later, and yes. um, a pretty fantastic tale to tell. Yes. Time for some more music, and um, before we talk more to Joe, this is Kandiki and its Mammal Hands, and they are, if you didn't know, a Manchester-based band. That was Kandeki from Mammal Hands, and rather lovely it was too. Jo Hansen's my business shaper. She's been very honest about the world of colour that she went into many, many years ago, and then from being in the world of colour, she went into the world of business properly. Uh, March the 3rd, 1993, I'm going to keep remembering that date. <laughs> it took those 18 months. You were hemorrhaging money. Um, yeah. You came through. At what point did you start to feel more relaxed? Have you ever felt relaxed about the way the business has gone? I never believed that it wouldn't work I always had great self-belief that it would work because I I believed I'm certainly not an egotist but I believed in what I could do I just needed a chance to prove it um, because I had David as the business partner he was very keen on awards he, he said any award that we can get you know which we can PR etc etc we must go in for awards so we actually entered the mail on Sunday's Enterprise 2000 award and um won the sales and marketing side, which was brilliant because in those days, everybody outside of hairdressing or especially in schools, universities and everything else 
would say, well, if, you, if you're not a brain box, if you can't do anything else, then at least you can be a hairdresser, as if hairdressing was a, a non-career. Um, we proved our point by winning that award that it is a very proper business. Um, and it's a very exciting business. It's an amazing business. I'm, I'm so glad that I actually fell into it. Um, I can't think of a, another career which is better, personally. You make people feel glamorous. You make people feel good, confident. Um, and it's a very satisfying thing that you've achieved by the time you've finished your job, you know? And and so much so, I mean, you talk about whether it can be a career or not, and you proved it can be. Your daughter is the managing director of, of the salon. Yes. Um, obviously, your late husband was right behind you as you made it happen. Yes. What's it like with family in the business? Is that easier because you could, you've got a shorthand, or is it actually complicated when... Those it difficult is, conversations. It's easier now. I mean, when Joanna first came into the business, she only actually came into the business because she was travelling. She was a big traveller. She left. She started at 19 and did her year out, um, came back, started mucking up horses to earn money. And I just opened the business then and I said, you know, can you just come and work the reception for me um, and would rather pay you than mucking out horses? Um, which she did. So she came in literally like that. Then she went off travelling again. Then she came back again. And then she sort of fell into it. When David died, she sort of had naturally progressed into it and decided that, yes, this is what she wants to do. She did try her hand at hair colour, but she felt that I was a hard act to follow, so she didn't bother with that. Um, And she was a bit too late to be a junior, you know, sort of the age of 22, 23. Um, And I desperately wanted her to be a colourist to follow me. But I'm so pleased now because she does all the business side. She just, when he he passed, she went, we actually invested in a weekend course at Cranfield University for her, for business management, which was very expensive, but it was definitely a worthwhile course. Gave her massive confidence. And it's brilliant because she does one side of the business. I do completely the other side. Um, I don't think we've ever had a fallout. I don't think we've ever had an argument. In fact, I gave up going to meetings when she told me to, to be quiet because I get so impatient. <laughs> she said, no, you're not coming to meetings anymore. You're banned. So you, you may have banned. your name above the door exactly. and, and on the colour collection, but I'm sorry, Mum, you're not coming. Yes, that's, exactly. That's the way it So they be. just wheel me in when they need me and wheel me out again, which is great. <laughs> well, there we are, final chat with Joe um, today. Plus, we're playing a track from Nina Simone. That's coming up after the latest Traffic and Travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day It's a new life for me, yeah It's a new dawn, it's a new day that was the wonderful Feeling Good, and I hope you are feeling good, from Nina Simone. I'm sure you've been feeling good. You've been listening to Joe Hansford, a lovely story, a proper story of somebody who started in a business at 15 and is here many decades later talking about the fact that you have almost 50 people working for you. There's a, there's a colour care collection um, and wonderful business success. You're mentioning your daughter who's now in charge, really. Yes. And you just, you just occasionally make an appearance when you need to. I'm joking, of <laughs> I course. I still work with clients three days a week. But that you do, really. Yes, yes. I was going to say, they let yes. you do that, do they? Yes, you, you they let, let me yourself. do that, yes, because I've had a lot of my clients for a long, long of time. 
And you probably enjoy that more now because you can relax. I love it, yes, I really do. I mean, obviously I don't have to work financially anymore, but I do because I really enjoy what I do. And I like being part of the team. Um, And I think it's important for me to be there on the floor. I think a lot of people find it quite strange that I am there. They must go, look, she's here. I know. There she is. But I am, and it's me. Hello. It's you. It's very good. (laughs) Now, the the other things that you've done, um, which are of note, I think, and, and often the people I meet have... Some people have very, very strong values and they want to follow what they, you know, things that are important to them. You have a foundation in India. For education. For yeah. education, for, for young budding uh, hairdressers yes. and colourists as well. Or, or colour. Colour, all yes. colour, okay. Um, which I believe is a partnership with L'Oreal. Yes, it is. And goes back probably nine, about nine years nine or so. Years, yeah. When you embark on these things, it often I always think, well, where did that come from? Was it a chance meeting? Was it a strategy you had? I mean, what, what's the what well? I've it? I've always judged colour trophies for L'Oreal all over the world, from Australia, New Zealand, you name it, South Africa, I, and I always judge the London one, which is a very big part of their business. Um, it's for aspiring hairdressers to to enter to use their products etc etc so when I was asked to judge the first Indian colour trophy um, I went your first day is actually watching them on the floor working and everything and I got so frustrated thinking bless them they you know just wanted to interfere oh if you just did it this way and if you just put that on and blah 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 so in the evening when we went for dinner with um, the man who organised the whole thing uh the more drunk I got, the more passionate I became about the fact that they're running before they can walk and they need some form of foundation to get them grounded. And it went from there, really. Six months later, they offered me this partnership with the foundation said, we really feel that you could help a lot. And now my girls go out twice a year um, for a week at a time and they absolutely love it because... Because they're like sponges. The people there are like sponges. They can't, you know, they, they would keep them there all night if, if they could. And it's a very worthwhile thing to do. And at least you feel you're doing something in life. It's like giving blood. It doesn't cost you anything, but at least you're, you're giving somebody something back. Fantastic stuff. Just before I let you go, and it's been a real pleasure talking to you, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? Um, I'm not really a very song person, but uh, Procol Harlem, uh, White Shades of Pale, because it was my husband's favourite song. And we actually played that at his funeral. Well, that's a pretty good reason to play mm. it. Okay, well, here it is. Thank you so much. This is your song choice, and it okay. is White a Shade of Pale. That was the song choice of my business shaper, Joe Hansford. Talk about someone with the courage of their conviction, someone who just didn't listen to the people that said she couldn't do it. A total grafter on the shop floor to show that it really, really mattered that you were working hard. And someone also obviously at the top of their game. Fantastic stuff. Join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers next Saturday. In the meantime, though, stay with us because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.